we, over the past several weeks, have been looking at uh, what our, the center of our life together is as a community. And what we affirm and what we want to be attentive and responsive to as a community is the reality that God has come among us in Jesus Christ and has poured out His Spirit in order to restore communion. Hopefully you guys have heard me say that enough that you could probably say that now. That God has come among us in Jesus Christ and has poured out His Spirit in order to restore communion. And that is at the heart of who we are, of how we identify ourselves as those um, uh, toward whom God is restoring communion. And it also defines uh, our way of life, the heart of our way of life, as we are those who want to always be attentive and responsive to how God is restoring communion uh, with us and himself and how God is restoring communion uh, one to another. And so what we've been looking at are the, are the practices, week by week, the practices uh, that are the trellis on which that way of life, of communion with God and with one another, on which that way of life grows. And so uh, we've looked at the practice of prayer, and last week at the practice of encountering Christ through word and table. And this week we look at the third practice, which is extending hospitality. And so I'm just curious. Uh, imagine with me for a minute. Um, what do you imagine when you hear that word, hospitality? What just out of your gut or whatever, like what, what comes, you don't have to say it out loud, uh, but what comes, what kind of images come into your head? Are they uh, images of uh, coffee and donuts? Or um, images of doilies and tea sets? <laughs> of a nice, cozy space? Are they uh, images of what you see in the service industry? or hotels, or restaurants, or, or whatever? What, what kind of images come up for you uh, when you think about the word hospitality? What I want to suggest today, what we're going to unfold today, is that um, we live in a world that doesn't so much lack hospitality as much as uh, we live in a world uh, with a, an anemic or a distorted version of hospitality. And the kind of hospitality that God in Christ is inviting us into is deeper and truer than potentially the kinds of hospitality that we think of when we think about hospitality. And so I'm just going to start here and just plant down with, with as simple a thought as I can here. And it's that hospitality for us, hospitality is not some, some additive or optional Flavor that we kind of add, you know, that we sprinkle on to our community or to our way of life, that hospitality is actually at the core of all of the stuff that we do. That hospitality actually has to do with salvation. That hospitality is another way of talking about how God is restoring the world through communion. Hospitality is about how God is saving the world. Our our central affirmation here is that we are in these seats. We are where we are. We are who we are because God has been hospitable to us. God has been hospitable to us. 
Are you tracking with what I'm talking about? What I'm talking about here is that we're looking at a way of life that's completely formed around the reality that God has come among us to restore communion. And what communion looks like, the communion that God is restoring in us and in the whole world, what communion looks like when it's turned outward one to another is hospitality. Hospitality is a way of naming how God is restoring communion with us and how that communion that God is restoring with us is extended out one to another. Hospitality is foremost about how God is saving the world and how God has been hospitable to us. How though when we were strangers, when we were far off, when we were in a foreign land, when we couldn't do anything to come home, God, in Christ, by the Spirit, showed hospitality to us, and we became dependent on God's gratuitous, self-giving gift of his life. And he made space for us to be sharers in the life that we could not create on our own. We were brought into his life. That's hospitality. And that very, and that's communion, hospitality. So I know that it maybe sounds like that I'm just like kicking a horse here that may or may not yet be dead. But I just want to keep this really simple for us. Is that hospitality, or the communion that God is working between us and him and between us and one another, the way to talking about what that looks like when it gets worked out one to another is hospitality. And so what that means is that when we extend hospitality to others, we are making room to share our life. This is a, today in this time, I'm I'm not going to give us five tips for how to be better at being hospitable. And there's a whole lot for us that we're not going to talk about, that we need to talk about, uh, that relates to what hospitality looks like. But what I hope What I hope in this space is that we just begin to imagine or reimagine together what it looks like to be a community that practices hospitality. And so this is where we're headed. When we extend hospitality to others, we are making room to share our life. We are making room for to share our life with the stranger. And then for for others to share their life with us. We are making room for others to be seen, to be known, to be heard, to be loved, for their deepest desires to be touched with communion. That's what we're talking about. So I don't know how how much that fits with what what you imagine when you think about hospitality or what comes to your mind when you think about uh, hospitality. Even hospitality in the context of churches. Um, two quick, quick stories come to my mind when I think about hospitality. Very different and strange stories. Um, I, uh, believe it or not, have a gym membership. And uh, it's, it's one of those big box gym stores where you just pay a couple bucks a month and like, you come in and it's all the same color. It's, and and, and the, the, the whole premise of this gym is that they want to make everybody feel welcome. They want to make everybody feel welcome. Like, the, it's, it's uh, the best place for anybody of any type to come in um, and be welcome. They even have, like, this campaign that they're running, and I'm not sure how it works with the gym, but they're trying to, like, reduce bullying. and like So it's like their whole attitude is making everybody feel welcome 
in this gym. And so I come in, and I don't know anybody, right? And it's not really designed so that I know other people, but it's designed so that I come in and feel comfortable and not intimidated in this gym. And I come in, and so I'm like laboring, you know, on the treadmill, and I'm looking up, and and ahead of me there are two things in front of me. There's one, this huge sign that says, you belong. <laughs> like, yes, I belong. Um, but at the same time, there's this other thing going on. There are all these TVs um, that they put in front of you uh, on the treadmills to distract you from how much pain you're in or whatever. Um, and one of the screens, there's like eight screens, and one of the screens is always on HGTV. And at, this, at the time of the day that I work out, and maybe this is just all that's on HDTV, is like one of those home makeover shows. And so uh, here I am, like, in this space that's been cultivate, cultivated to be like a hospitable workout space. And I'm also, like, taking in uh, Fixer Upper. I'm taking in the world of Chip and JoJo. <coughs> and I'm seeing, like, what home is supposed to look like what welcome is supposed to look like. And all this is like bombarded in on me. So I think about that. I think about another story. I think about Starbucks. And I don't know, maybe it was a year ago now. Um, I spent a lot, or I have spent a lot of my time in Starbucks over the years. And Starbucks is one of these places that's supposed to be, I mean, it's branded as like, the, it's the third space. It's supposed to be this, that's not your home or your work, the third space. It's supposed to be really hospitable. Anybody can come in and just experience coffee. Have have the experience of coffee. It looks a certain way. The experience is a certain kind of experience. But you guys remember the story from maybe a year ago uh, when two men of color came into a Starbucks uh, and the managers uh, thought that they were uh, homeless or loafers or I don't know and called the cops on them. (coughs) Right? You guys remember this story? And had the cops come and take them out. So that's another story. It's in my head about what hospitality looks like in the world that we live in. What, is, what, is, what comes into your mind when you think of hospitality? Friends, we live in a world of strangers. We live in a world full of strangers. This is actually just the human condition, is that we are people who are estranged. We're estranged from, from one another. We're estranged from friends. We're estranged from family. We're estranged from home. We're estranged from God. We're, we're a people who are longing to be freed from fear. But we live in a world where the very thing that would meet um, that estrangement, um, where I live in a world where hospitality has been commodified, where hospitality has been distorted by the consumerism that's so rampant in our society. This is one of the things that we continue to return to when we're talking about communion is is that we live in a world of consumerism. And in a world of consumerism, hospitality gets distorted. Hospitality becomes all about a way that we must perform a certain appearance or experience. Things must be just so. Whether that looks like doilies and teacups, or it looks like fixer-upper, or it looks like whatever, a certain kind of perfection. 
Everything must be just so. It's all about appearance or about making sure that people have a certain experience. People in this world um, are turned into customers or projects to be influenced. Everything in this world is staged beautifully, but there's not necessarily any sharing going on, any sharing of personhood. There's not necessarily any vulnerability or any genuine connection. And inevitably, in some of these environments that push the performance of a certain kind of image or a certain experience, those in most need of connection and hospitality, those who are in most need of communion are the ones who get estranged and who are rejected as guests. Have you experienced this? Do you feel, um, when you try to practice hospitality, do you feel the burden of any of these worlds to perform a certain image or a certain experience or to have things just so in the pressures that you would feel that your life isn't just so or we can't have things just so? Or do you feel the the pressure uh, in calibrating hospitality to get people to to do certain things, to, to be a part of certain things? Friends, this is the world that God is calling us out of. And God has has called us out of this world by showing hospitality to us. Friends, the good news is that God has shown hospitality to us. God has graciously, gratuitously shared his life with us, welcoming us as strangers into communion with him. And that means that we are set free to make room for others. For the strangers among us. We are set free to make room for the strangers among us. This practice of hospitality is a sign of hope. It's not, it's not primarily about uh, performing a certain uh, look or experience or turning people into customers or influencing them a certain way. This practice of hospitality is a sign of hope. In a world that's fractured and lonely and angry and obsessed with certain kinds of results or appearance, hospitality is a witness that communion really is possible. Hospitality is a witness that communion really is possible. That means that that all the racial and economic and gender and political divisions are not inevitable. Our practice of hospitality the extending out of communion one to another means that there's another world possible that God is making in Jesus Christ. That he has invited us into and he is setting us free to live one to another. This is what hospitality is all about. It's the witness to the way that God is restoring communion in the world. And this witness, this practice of hospitality, it nourishes us. But it also challenges us and transforms us. I don't know if you've ever been tuned into this before, but hospitality is a central metaphor in Scripture. The someone playing host and someone playing guest, that whole dynamic of host and guest is a central metaphor in Scripture, and it's actually a central um, feature of uh, the ancient world and even many parts of the world today is this relationship between host and guest. 
And what we see in Scripture is that in the, in the culmination of the story of salvation that is traced from Genesis to Revelation, in the culmination of that story in Jesus Christ, that Jesus comes as both host and guest. And we see that in the Gospels even, that Jesus is actually, that there's a whole lot going on about Jesus and homes and him coming out of people's homes and him moving between um, this, uh, this role of host or as guest. It's central. It's central to how God is restoring and, and saving and renewing the world. And it's central that Christ has become both host and guest for us. One of the things in some of the versions of the, the Eucharistic prayer that we say around the table, we actually say, Christ is the host and we are the guest. Like the way that God is saving the world. The way, and I'm going to get a little bit like theological here, but like in God's, in God's life, the life of the Trinity, is hospitality. There's, in, in the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, there is an unending and gratuitous giving and joyful receiving. And so God being God and saving the world, that's what it looks like when God saves the world, is God reaches out in this gratuitous, gracious giving, self-giving inviting us to be joyful receivers of his self-giving. And this is what God is doing in Jesus, as both host and the guest. We see that, that Jesus invites people um, into his table, and the kind of people that Jesus invites into uh, his table um, are the people who don't belong at tables, right? He, he invites the poor, the marginalized he invites those who have sicknesses and illnesses. He invites the rejects and the, the people who don't belong. He invites the strangers to be at his table. And we see even in the Gospels that Jesus becomes the stranger. He becomes the one who is dependent on the gratuitous self-giving of the Father by becoming the one who is ultimately estranged on the cross, right? And he becomes the, the joyful recipient of God's gift and creating a reality of communion now that we are invited into. I know that's like a lot of theological stuff, but are you tracking with me? I'm just saying this is a big deal. This is not some like some sugary flakes that we pour on our existing mode of life together. Like this is at the heart of how God is saving us. And in the life that God is inviting us to live. And, th- and this is what Paul is getting on about in chapter, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 12. In fact, this section, it's got all these like command so- sounding words in 9 through 12. And uh, uh, props to Amber, uh, one of our poet laureates among us, for naming this for me. Is that there's kind of this poetic rhythm to it. Paul, what Paul is unfolding here is a rhythm of communion. He's just spent 11 chapters of Romans unfolding how God is restoring communion of people who were estranged from him. How God is restoring communion with them in Jesus Christ by the Spirit. And now he's unfolding the way of life that that issues from that in this rhythm of communion for Paul, this rhythm of Christ's body. That's important because rhythm of Christ's body in two ways, that this is the actual rhythm that Jesus lived. This is the, the way of host and guest that Jesus lived. And now because it's the, it's the body that we're invited into, Jesus' body, 
Christ's body that's now our rhythm of communion. And Paul says that our communion, our rhythm of communion one to another, looks like hospitality. And that word hospitality, it means loving the stranger. Loving the stranger. And a stranger is anyone. A stranger is anyone who is disconnected. Who is, who is lacking, who is estranged, who is disconnected from the basic relationships that give people a sense of security in the world. And so that, means, that's, that often means those are the people who are, who are most marginalized because those are the ones who have the most heightened sense of disconnection. But really, a stranger is anyone who has that disconnection Anyone who is distant feels distant from the abundance of communion. Which means that at any given point in our day, that could be me or you. Right? So for Paul, this hospitality that he's inviting um, this community into, the church into, is a radical hospitality. And it's a radical hospitality because the kind of hospitality that Paul invites the community into challenges the social structures of his day. It challenges the social structures that oppress and dehumanize and marginalize. And specifically in Paul's day, this was this social dynamic of shame and honor and reciprocity. In Paul's day, there was this whole uh, social code of uh, the way that I did social calculus. Is that like I invested in relationships, I made connections, I invested in people who would bring me more honor. And I stayed away from people who would make me go down the scale of dishonor and shame. And so all of my, there's a whole lot to say about this, but all of my relationships were then based on how I could use that other person to bring me more honor, to increase my standing in society, and I would never, ever then connect with someone, invest in someone, show hospitality to someone who could not reciprocate honor back to me. That was the ancient world. But does that sound familiar? We don't call it an honor-shame culture that we live in, but does that sound familiar? And into this world of honor and shame and reciprocity, Paul says in verse 10, he says, outdo one another in showing honor. You see what he's doing? You see what he's flipping around? Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't live in relationship with one another in order to bring honor to yourself, but outdo. Try to out bring honor with everything that you do to the other person. Don't be haughty. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Associate with the lowly. Don't be self-referential. Show hospitality without expectation of return, especially to those who cannot return. Paul is not just giving advice about how to be better Christians. Paul is inviting us to live into the very life of communion that Jesus illustrates and makes possible for us in, the incar- in his incarnation, death, and resurrection. This is also Philippians chapter 2 kind of stuff, right? This is, have this mindset among yourself that like Jesus, who, though he was being in the very nature of God, all the, though he had all the honor in the world, he emptied himself and became, became nothing, became a servant to all, even unto death. This is what Paul has in mind when he's talking about hospitality. There's no social calculus here. 
We're intentionally making space to welcome and to be with those who do not increase our status, our significance, or our power in the world. And so for Paul, hospitality looks like empathy, sharing. It looks like sharing, not just helping. Hospitality isn't just about helping others with their needs. For Paul, hospitality is about making space to genuinely share in the personhood and the humanity of the other. So that they can, they can genuinely be, be seen and heard and known and loved. Yes, we tend to the physical needs, but we also tend in showing hospitality to others' humanity. Because that is what God is restoring in us in Christ. We're allowing space for them to be seen, heard, and known. This is what Paul is getting at in this passage. And Paul, it's, this is how radical hospitality is for Paul. Hospitality even transforms enemies into guests. Hospitality even transforms enemies into guests. He says, bless those who persecute you. Do not repay evil with evil. As far as it depends on you, live peacefully. Overcome evil with communion, is what Paul says. And we desperately need this in a world where we're trained to be inherently suspicious of the stranger. Where people have to first prove to us that they're not a threat before we open up our lives to them. What Paul is inviting in, in us into touches the places of our deepest fears and insecurities. The very places, you see how this works, the very places where we need communion. If our first allegiance, Paul says, is to the crucified Messiah, then we believe that the cross transforms hostility in whatever form that it comes into hospitality. There's a lot of things to say about this. There's a lot of serious questions and, and, and conversations to have about this, but this is where we start. That if we believe, if our first allegiance is to the crucified Messiah, then all of our hostility is transformed into the possibility of hospitality. Even our enemies aren't threats to abundance. So how do we do this as the church? How do we, how do we obey this? How do we live into this as the church? I'm reminded um, when I'm thinking about this that for the early church, especially the church before uh, the church uh, p- became the official uh, religion of the empire, a hospitality was a central, was, was, was irreducible from the life of the church. Hospitality was central to what it meant to be the church. And then it was only after uh, everybody was a Christian in the empire that hospitality uh, kind of got uh, relegated to uh, the monasteries and lived on kind of on the edges of the heart of Christianity in the monasteries. And, and, and beyond that, in, in our modern day, not only has it been pushed to the periphery, but hospitality has also been dis, uh, kind of disfigured by consumerism. And so that's what we're looking at, is what does it look like for us as Christ the King here in Fayetteville to bring hospitality back into the center of who we are in the midst of this consumerism? And so what we're affirming here is that hospitality does have to do with coffee and donuts. 
It does have to do with people feeling welcome. It does have to do with like a, a safe space, a comfortable space for people to be. But it's not limited to that, and it goes so much deeper than that. And, and it goes deeper than that precisely in the way that it, it challenges and it transforms all of our intuitions to turn people into customers or projects or uh, dangers to our safety. So we affirm that, that this hospitality is not a marketing trick for us. It's not the way, it's not the thing that we're doing in order to get more people to come. Hospitality also primarily doesn't have to do with a certain appearance that we give off or an experience that we cultivate. In fact, we're affirming that hospitality is not a means to another end. But because God is restoring communion with us by coming among us in Christ, that hospitality, making space for sharing in the life of the other, is our end. There's no social calculus for us. And so let's just begin the process of of imagining, having a new imagination for hospitality. And I I credit a conversation I had with Ashlyn uh, Gagnon for, for naming some of these things. Uh, here's, here, if, if hospitality isn't about uh, managing and performing a certain image or experience or turning people into potential customers that we're trying to influence to come in, especially those with more money so we can, you know, have a nicer budget, then what does it look like? And so two, two words to just begin to imagine what it looks like for us. Warmth and safety. When, when I think of that word, hospitality is warmth. I think of like stepping into a home, like out of the cold, like being estranged and stepping into a warm home with like a hearth. And in and, and the space of that home and the people that are in it feeling embraced by them. It's warmth. It's the feeling of the embrace. And then it's safety. But not just any kind of safety. The kind of safety that makes us feel like it's actually safe for us to be exactly who we are where we are to be seen and known and loved. Warmth and safety. A beautiful example of, uh, of hospitality um, is a community or an organization started by um, a guy, uh, uh, Jean Vanier, Jean Vanier, to say it the non-fancy way. Um, a, a community called La Arc. Has anyone ever heard of La Arc? So La Arc is this um, intentional community uh, where those uh, uh, with intellectual uh, disabilities um, uh, live together with others. Uh, people living uh, with those who have intellectual dis- disabilities. Um, and, and this is a space, a community, an intentional community where people live alongside one another with different levels of, of that kind of ability. And, and in this space, uh, they live together um, gifts are, are revealed. That's, that's part of the intention of this community, is that the gifts of those with intellectual disabilities are drawn out into the surface um, so that can, they can be seen and known and heard. And the idea is that in the midst of this, that this is a mutually transformative relationship. It's not just about those with intellectual disabilities, but it's about everyone who's a part of that community. They say that they seek not to be a solution to the problem, but just a sign, a sign of hope. That this is how God is restoring communion. And so that's what we're shooting for. We're not shooting f- to be the coolest church and to make sure that uh, like everyone feels attracted to our space. right? We're seeking to rather cultivate a warm and safe place where people can encounter 
God and be seen and known and loved. Especially people who are on the edges and the margins of our society. Especially people who are on the margins and the edges of our society. And in this act, it's a sign for us. It's a witness that there's a different way. And so here's a couple questions for us that we can be thinking about. Who is the stranger? Who is the stranger among us? And so that can function on different levels. That can be, like, literally, in the room right now. Who is the stranger? How can we be present to those to open up space to share life so that they can be seen and known and heard and loved? And to see that in our sharing with them, that it's not just doing things for them, but that we actually meet Christ and commune with Christ in our sharing with them. Who are the strangers among us? Maybe tonight a good question uh, in order to tap into this is, is where do you feel like a stranger? Where do you feel like a stranger? How do you feel like a stranger? As we continue to worship, I, I encourage you to to bring those questions to the table, to bring them in prayer, to bring them to the table. Who is the stranger among us? And where, where am I feeling like a stranger? And where is God inviting me to receive his hospitality? Our prayer tonight, you can...